It's show 49 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, we talk to Christian Backman and Patty Bowles of Phoenix Recycling. This show, as you know, is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. You know, I, oh, Ian posted it on the uh, on his his blog this week and on Twitter and everywhere else that new software, new sof- software update from O'Neill came out this week. And as you know, they keep doing that. They just keep coming up with new updates. Uh, they keep improving the product. They keep making it better. And frankly, they just have great stuff. So... Uh, if you want to learn more about what they're doing and about these continually and never-ending improvements that O'Neill comes with, well, check them out at O'NeillSoft.com. This show is coming to you today from the cottage in Canada. I'm ready to go. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, Here's what I believe. And the latest updates. That's just them. This show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note. This show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Hey, 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 hello from Canada. I'm home in uh, the uh, great, wonderful, uh, great white north. It's not white, it's white sandy beaches. Uh, we're on the shores of Lake Huron and uh, we're on vacation for a couple of weeks and uh, lounging a little, trying to catch up. Uh, we've been working hard this year and yet I'm not going to fail to bring you a show. It's actually Canada Show Day. Uh, I've set up a little makeshift studio here in our cottage and and I, I hope it sounds well for you. Uh, I, I've done everything I can to make sure the equipment's okay. So as a result, we're not going to cover the news today, not because I couldn't get to it and not because there wasn't access. It's just because I didn't want to. And frankly, it's a little slow right now anyway. So if you need to check up on the news, there's lots of places to go. Uh, and I'm not going to do it this week. But we have a great show for you nonetheless. Today, some Canadians, two of them actually, They work together, they live together, they play together, they hang out together. I think they're with each other all the time. And bottom line, I love this pair. Christian Backman and Patty Bowles of Phoenix Recycling in Winnipeg. And I can't wait to get on the phone with them and and uh, talk to them about their story. They've got an amazing story. They've got an amazing business story. They've got a great love story. And uh, it's it's I'm just really excited to have them on the show today as they are Canadians. And uh, it's going to be good to talk to them. So we'll catch up with them in, in a little bit. And as luck would have it, we've got another cool guest on the show today. Good morning, Starship. The Earth says hello. Well, hello to you, too. Not sure you recognize that voice, but uh, the one, the only Johnny Depp is in our makeshift studio here at the Cottage in Canada. Johnny Depp, he called me a few weeks ago after listening to the Rim Pro Report for the first time, and he told me the word on the street in Hollywood is that the Rim Pro Report is the hip place, the hip show to hang out and sort of, uh, you know, be yourself, hang out, talk. And and I understand that. This is this is a really cool show, and, you know, the best people 
people in the world listen to this show. So, you know, the big stars, they want to be here and expose themselves to you every week. And so when Johnny called, I said, no, I'm not going to be in San Diego. It's not easy to come down and see me in San Diego. I'm not going to be in the normal RimPro Report studio, but on a on a cottage in Lake Huron in Canada, west of Toronto. And Johnny, he said he wanted to be with us so bad, he took his private jet came all the way here from Hollywood to hang out with us on the show today. <sighs> hello. 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 Well, yeah, hello, and uh, thank you. Uh, the animals in the background were uh, quite amusing, and they, they hang out here. We're, we're close to farmland here. But uh, So welcome to Grand Bend, uh, Canada, and to the Rim Pro Report, uh, Johnny. Good morning, Columbus. Well, my friends actually call me Tom. My friends call me John. Okay, John. Well, tell us a little about yourself, will you? Tell, tell me a little bit more about you. I'm great at what I do. I mean, I'm really great at what I do. <laughs> Well, I agree. You are great at what you do. I've seen you in so many movies over the years. Your acting skills are versatile, and, and really, you've never, ever let us down as fans. Do me a favor. Don't talk about movies. Uh, okay, then. Uh, so what would you like to talk about? You like fried chicken? Uh, well, do I like fried chicken? Uh, not really. Chicken's okay, but not sure about the fried part. Well, why do you ask? Have a look at my treasure chest. You have a treasure chest? Uh, you brought one here? Wow. Is that... Can we open it? The show, show, what's what's in there? One second. Stop. Stop. Keep your eyes closed. Oh, okay. I'm keeping them closed. Tell me when we can open the treasure chest. Okay, I'm opening my eyes now. Oh, my folks. You're not going to believe what I'm seeing right now. Johnny Depp's treasure chest is filled with um, fried chicken and chocolate. Uh, now, uh, interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe should I at least taste it? Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. No? No? Can we trade? I'll give you this piece of gum that I have held right here in my hand for a piece of the fried chicken. Why? Why would I want that? Why would I want bubble gum? Well, why not? Chewing gum is really gross. Chewing gum I hate the most. Well, <laughs> but your treasure chest smells so, um, delicious. And I didn't bring any lunch to the studio today, so I, I, you know, I'm open to it. Everything in this room is eatable. Even I'm eatable. But that is called cannibalism and is in fact frowned upon in most societies. Johnny, are, are you mad? Wow! Well, I, I'm not meaning to offend you, but nothing in this room is eatable uh, besides the food in your treasure chest. And uh, that's kind of weird to begin with. So, so what's up with that? Don't call me an idiot. I didn't call you an idiot. I'm not calling you an idiot. No, oh, moving on. I noticed throughout this uh, little conversation that you've been changing your accent a lot. Is there a reason why you speak in so many different dialects? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, then. Well, uh, let's just head to the next question. Uh, have you enjoyed your time here in in Grand Bend so far? The, the, the lake community here and sort of... Uh, the wonderful part of Canada. What have you been up to since you flew in here yesterday? I've been considering things that begin with the letter M. Oh. Moron. Mutiny. Murder. Mm, mallet. <laughs> well, Johnny, since you've been here in the studio, I've been considering words that begin with many letters. Well, that describe you, madman cannibal insane pirate who steals treasure chests full of fried chicken you smell like old people and soap what is that supposed to offend me you know i've had it up to here with this malarkey i haven't understood a single word you've said since i met you not one 
single word. Well, I'm a little confused myself, and I want to get to that interview with Patty and Christian, and I, I appreciate the fact that you've hung out with me so far in the show. So hang tight, my friend. Uh, you know, after the interview's done, after the show's done, maybe we can, you know, hang on the beach and play with the kids and, you know, catch some rays and stuff. But uh, for now, just just get in the old, uh, you know, relax mode. I will close my eyes now and you will be gone. Well, yes, uh, maybe you should be gone. So um, that, that's right. Lay back in the hammock. Enjoy the interview, Johnny. And I'm going to go get them on the phone. Here we go. <laughs> Christian Backman is the founder and president of Phoenix Recycling in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And Patty Bowles is officially vice president of the same company. Together, they have built an incredibly cool business together. And we're going to talk about all of it. So, hey, are you both there? We are. Hi, Tom. Hey, welcome to the RimPro Report. I am so glad to have you both on the show. We haven't done many calls with two people on the line, but I like doing this one with you guys. Uh, I've known you quite a long time and have to say you're probably my favorite couple in the whole entire planet. So oh, glad well, to have you, you on the, the show. Thank you for the compliment. We're thrilled to be here. Well, you're Canadian too, and that helps. <laughs> So uh, I think you have an interesting story, but but let's start with where you are today, and then we can go back and figure out the story. And uh, tell me, uh, maybe Christian, you could tell me what's Phoenix, what's the Phoenix Enterprise look like today? Sure. Well, uh, we we had started with pretty humble roots, but we've grown into uh, you know kind of a one stop shop for uh, records management, uh, document destruction, and office recycling. Okay. So we kind of we cover. Cradle to grave on the on the uh, on the on the paper side of your business, and so that that includes a fully functioning record center, uh, shredding operation. Uh, what else? What else are you yeah. doing? So we're about fifty five thousand square feet in total, okay. uh, of which of which about forty thousand of that is dedicated to uh, storage and, and a small part of that the shredding operation, and then uh, about fifteen thousand square feet for our recycling operation. Okay. So uh, we started as a recycling company, but but you know quickly grew into the more profitable side of the business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So talk to me, um, Christian. Talk to me about what was happening uh, early 1991, before October 16th of 1991, <laughs> when this was found. Well, what was happening in your head at the time? What were you thinking? What was going on? Where where were you at in 91? Well, the, the story actually starts. Uh, a, a little bit earlier than that, and I had been going to school at University of Western Ontario, and a friend of mine had started a recycling company here in Winnipeg. And when I came back to Winnipeg, I was running a bicycle rickshaw company to put myself through university, and uh, I was trying to sell some advertising on the back of my rickshaws uh, to this recycling company, and he didn't want to have anything to do with the advertising, but he had this corporate recycling division that was hemorrhaging money, uh, and he thought maybe I could take it over and try to fix it. Uh, and uh, I had decided that I wasn't going to go back to school in the fall, so I needed something to do. And uh, so I decided that I'd fix it. Um, so I got rid of his existing staff and put myself in and started to do 95% of the work and uh, and kind of ground away at it until we got a base of business. And, uh, and then uh, I'm not a particularly good partner, uh, so that partnership kind of fell apart at some point, and, and uh, I took it over and, uh, and Phoenix was born. 
So you took over a, basically a completely failing operation in the recycling business, and you yeah. went out and started you know, knocking on doors and doing whatever you could. Uh, they, had, they had 26 customers. And what, what's remarkable is that of those 26 customers that we took over, uh, I think we have 18 of them still on the roster today, 20 years later. Wow. So we're, we're thrilled. I mean, that's a, you know, we're pretty thrilled with that. And, and you know, we consider those customers our friends, and, and uh, you know, probably we've grown a business around. Oh yeah, and and so Phoenix started out officially as a recycling company. That's where you began. Correct, and and you know it took us a few years to get good at that, um, uh, and uh, you know we saw some remarkable swings in the market, and for a very brief period of time, from kind of early 1994 through to the end of 1994, there was an explosion in the commodity markets as China kind of woke up as a country and woke up as a consumer started to demand a lot of cardboard and a lot of office paper. And so we saw this incredible, you know, swing in commodity markets that really drove a ton of, you know, revenue into our business, yeah. uh, which allowed us to, you know, some leverage to really grow. So, Patty, you're, you're sitting on the line quietly, but how, what's your connection to this story back in the early 90s? What's, what's your connection to Christian? Well, I came out of uh, university with a girlfriend who happened to be uh, dating one of Christian's roommates, which is how we met initially. Uh, after university, I went to work in the stock brokerage business and uh, enjoyed a little time there, but kind of sitting on the 30th floor of a building in a cubicle really wasn't my thing. I, I quickly discovered I was more of a hands-on person Yeah. Uh, and started to make the connection with Christian. And after I finished my day at the office downtown, I'd come home and take off my suit and go put on steel-toe work boots and head to the plant and go put in five or six hours at the recycling plant. And Doing uh, what, though? Do, what were you doing? <laughs> well, we had this old baler yeah. that didn't have a shear. So to make the ram go forward, we would hand fill it uh, into the hopper, and then we'd stand on it and we'd jump up and down <laughs> and to compact the bale so we could get it flat enough for the, for the ram to actually move forward. Uh, so the baling process was massively labor-intensive. We were loading trucks uh, from ground-level tractor trailers with forklifts and pallets and uh, pallet jacks trying to load trailers. So are you doing you know? this out of the goodness of your heart, or do you actually like this guy? Yeah. <laughs> still to the day, still love the guy. So. Oh, okay, so <laughs> you, you weren't just doing this because, well, you were getting paid an extra $3 an hour to do yeah, there this. Yeah, there were no paychecks. Yeah. There were no paychecks. Okay, <laughs> no so, paycheck for either of us. <laughs> so you're, what, when did you decide to finally leave the stock brokerage company? Well, you know, I was uh, pretty sure I didn't want to sit on the 30th floor in an air-conditioned room. I needed to touch things. I needed to be part of things. You know, you sit and talk on a phone and look at a computer, and it just wasn't for me. So uh, I'd already started to help Christian out in the evenings, and um, I guess a little entrepreneurial at heart. And we just said, let's let's go for it. Shortly after, I mean, in, from the end of 1994 through the beginning of 1995, all that gravy that had been built into the recycling markets collapsed. Yeah, because the whole thing tanked, didn't it, at that point? Oh, it, we, we were selling cardboard at one point for $360 a ton. People were stealing it from loading docks. People were putting a quarter into newspaper machines and taking all the newspaper out of the newspaper machines to sell it uh, as scrap. Um, 
and then in a very quick period of time, it went from uh, it went from you know the height of heights to absolute bottom. Um, you know, and at that point, you know, uh, we had gone from being an incredibly profitable company to one that was losing you know sixty thousand dollars a month. Uh, and we sat down as a family and and said, uh, how are we going to uh, how are we going to survive this, and what are we going to do, and how are we going to change the focus of our business? Yeah, and how are we going to develop a uh, or, or how are we going to grow into a company that our customers value the work that we're doing? Right. Uh, we had been remarkably commodity-focused up to that point. And so uh, we had been doing some shredding um, you know, for, for customers who had said, you know, we really think this paper that's being recycled should be shredded. Uh, so we had been doing some shredding, and we decided that uh, we were going to get significantly more serious in that business. Uh, and uh, we were quite lucky and, and that we picked the right time because you know privacy legislation and stuff like that was starting to become more more to the forefront, um, and we took the next kind of three years to grind through uh, you know just get our business back to square one after suffering some pretty big losses and uh, then growing it out the other side. So did you really do that on the back of shredding? Is that really what was the catalyst to that rebuilding process? Oh, to- to- totally, totally, really, yeah. We we really wanted to have a company where we could employ where we could employ really a well educated person who, who, or, or you know people who who were friendly and and had some skills and and on the on the recycling side of things the customers just didn't value the work as much right they all believed it was a commodity they had all just come out of this remarkably high period where everything was free or you were getting paid for the stuff and it really did so much damage to the marketplace. That it was it was taking a long time to recover on on the recycling side of things. I think if I can intervene here for a second, really one of the lessons. I mean, we're seeing very strong commodity prices right now. Yeah. One of the mistakes we made uh, in '94, when the value was very high, is we stopped charging recycling customers for the program because the value of what we were picking up was so was so high. We didn't need to. In hindsight, what we should have done is continue to charge them but issue them rebates so that when the value went back down again, you could still just swing right back into having your service revenue. When we went back to charging for that service, everybody said, oh, call us when it's free again. And uh, I think today with today's high commodity prices, anybody out there who's thinking about giving it away, don't give it away. Continue to bill for it, but if you need to issue a credit for the paper, issue a credit for the paper. That's, that's such, the fairest thing for your business and for your client. Yeah, that is such a that's such a good idea. Such a good idea. Because I think I hear it regularly. There's lots of people out there giving it away for free right now just to get it in the door. Yeah. And the reality is when the when the change comes and it always does and come on. It always does. <laughs> it always does, and you've been through that. Um, that's that's really so tell me how you then grew that shredding business. What what were you out doing? You've always been known as Phoenix Recycling, and now you're trying to sell shredding. How are you doing that? You know, we, I think we did it by, by really focusing on process um, and really making sure that we developed a, a rock-solid process. At the, in the beginning, we didn't offer on-site shredding, okay. and the market was predominantly, in our marketplace, uh, serviced by on-site shredding companies. Canada was a, a uh, sorry, Canada was, was really the birthplace of the on-site shredder. Correct. Correct. So you're and, fighting that in a big way. Right. And, and so uh, we developed a, a process for, you know, secure collection and, and shredding of the documents on our side, really kind of focusing on, on process, focusing on making sure that, that we had an auditable process from the time we picked it up to the time it got back to our facility, 
that when we had you know documented documented the process the entire way through, mm-hmm. and and we had this incredible recycling plant that we'd built, and we really wanted to leverage the capabilities of that recycling plant. Okay. So, uh, you know, we we got ourselves a, a, a decent you know a decent shredder and and started uh, started really selling that process, and, it, and a couple years later we needed a much larger shredder, and you know a few years later than that a, a you know a gargantuan one. Right. And uh, and because we had this recycling plant, because we had the ability to market the material coming out the back end, we really had an enormous strategic advantage over all of the on-site shredding companies oh, yeah. who were delivering their paper to places like us. Right. So you know, we, we were able to leverage that. We were able to really focus on providing a really good customer service, um, you know, uh, and, and really that, and that, that whole philosophy of that you never want to lose a customer. Right. Um, that you really just, when, you, when you, you spend so much time and so much effort to get a customer to trust you, to do business with you, uh, that you just never want to lose. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I think from a sales perspective that, you know, we've had the sales, same salesperson for almost 10 years now um, who has developed long-term relationships. And if somebody had a service they were happy with, we said, you know, that's great. We just want to be first in line if, if there's ever an issue. Yeah. And it just pays off in dividends to have long-term relationships oh, with yeah. people. And some you never get the business from, but yeah. that's just the cost of doing it. And then other ones uh, uh, you do down the road, they call you and say, we've got a special project. Would you like to try it out? So they try out your service, and uh, before you know it, you're, you're the service provider of choice. And long-term, we have very little turnover in terms of our staff and very little turnover in terms of our clients, and we just continue to grow and build. And, and we're very blessed to have awesome staff and um, awesome customers. Just and, a good fit. And we had, come, we had really come out of the waste and recycling business. So yeah. We had a waste division at one point as well that we'd sold, to, we'd sold a, few years, a few years ago. But, um, you know, it was an, that was an incredibly competitive marketplace. Oh, yeah. And early in the, you know, in, in, the, in the late 90s, um, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, the marketplace for shredding was not very competitive. No, uh, you know it had a, there was a lot of inefficiencies in the marketplace. There was a lot of um, you know a lot of you know pretty high margin, low service type of work going out there. And when we came into it, we came into it with a you know uh, still a fair margin, but a lot more focus on the service component of it. And that really uh, that drove a lot of customers to our door. Very cool. So, what what led you into record storage? What was the catalyst for moving into that? Well, we had been providing all of the shredding services to one of the large multinational um, storage, you know, uh, records management companies. They had, didn't have a shredding operation in, in Winnipeg, and we had been providing all of the shredding to them. Okay. Uh, and they came to us with a with a contract that was. Um, not, not favorable. Not favorable to us in any way, shape, or form. And, <laughs> and we kind of looked at this and we said, you know, we went, you know, absolutely no way would we ever sign this. Um, and then we started to look and, and, you know, said, you know, this record storage business fits in so well with what we, what we do. Right. Um, and it was a natural tie-in in the market. I mean, storage companies were getting into shredding and shredding companies were getting into storage. Right. And it really was a time when we saw the opportunity um, and we had some space come up beside us uh, that had some racking in it already. It was a manufacturing company that had been leasing the space, and we made a, uh, 
a favorable deal to take over the space. I, I think favorable might be an understatement there. Patty negotiated well, free, to, to take to get all of the racking for free in exchange for renting these guys back the space or giving them six months of free rent, which Patty then turned or a year's free rent, in which Patty turned around and negotiated half of that free rent back from the landlord. So it was about as favorable of a deal as you could. It was like it was like this divine intervention saying you need to get in the storage business. Yeah. If you can manage some free rent and some free racking, yeah. somebody's telling you to go buy some barcodes <laughs> and get some software. Yeah. So yeah. so uh, and, and at the exact same time, a tender came out for one of the crown corporations here in Winnipeg, a, a government or an arm's length government operation that had about six thousand boxes for storage. Um, and so we went gung ho. Um, you know, trying to ramp up to, to win this tender. Yeah. Got about three quarters of the way through the tender process and said to ourselves, if we win this, we'd, we'd be killed. <laughs> uh, we don't know what we're doing. We, we don't have a clue what we're doing yet. So we gracefully backed out of that business and, and went and found a couple of our smaller customers who, uh, who agreed to be guinea pigs for us and say, look, you know, we've, we've been doing shredding service for you for a long time. We know that you need record storage. Uh, we, we know that you need a, a records management solution. And we, we will, in exchange for giving you a pretty sweetheart deal, um, would like to use you as guinea pigs. And we really spent that first year in the record storage business uh, with a couple of customers and ourselves, uh, working through the systems, learning the software. Well, and uh, developing our processes. Right, because you're, you guys are, you're all about process. process. You're all about well, process. Well, it has to be solid yeah. because, I mean, you can't lose a box, yeah. right? Yeah. This is not a business that, oh, sorry, we got 80% of it right. It's right. just not acceptable. Yeah. Uh, so we really took the time to make sure we knew what we were doing. We, we spent a long time making our decision on our software um, and to ensure that we were just in the right place. And, you know, it's uh, it's been a great business to be in. And I sort of feel like, even though we've been in it for years now, like we're just starting. Like yeah. There's so much out there, uh, so many clients that we, we can help along the way. We ended up purchasing a small record storage business in the city here uh, who was looking to get out of it. So that added a, a bunch of new clients to our roster that we could help take care of. And it's a, it's a great, great business with great customers and, and and it really ties well with our focus on customer service right. and uh, and process. And it, it ties in so remarkably well with our our focus. We, we certainly service large customers. You know, we've got several customers with ten thousand boxes and higher. Um, yeah. But really, our focus is on those customers that are under a thousand boxes. Yeah. Uh, and that marketplace is remarkably unvended. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an expensive process to 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 get these people on board because there's a you really have to do as much training for somebody who has 6,000 boxes as for somebody who has 500. Yeah, um, or 60. Or, or six. six. Or 60 or, or six, six. Yeah. exactly. There's, yeah. there's the same amount of hand-holding. Yeah. But those boxes can come in at a bit of a higher margin. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they insulate your business from a big client. You know, when big clients, uh, they, they wield a big stick with regard to price and service, uh, and the smaller customers have less pricing power, so, so that certainly is helpful uh, on your costs or your revenue per cubic foot. Yeah. Well, in really growing out of the recycling business and then into the shredding business and then into the storage business, our focus has always been servicing small to medium-sized businesses. Yeah. It's what we seem to be good at. Right. Um, so it's a natural fit for when we're going out and knocking on doors that we're, we're gaining you know, storage clients that, that fit in that window. Uh, we always have a person answering the phone when somebody calls. We don't have the 1-800 number where you talk to 40 different you know, departments right. before right. you get to the right person. Um, our drivers are, you know, 
we work really hard to put a driver on the road who's presentable and polite and is willing to hold a door open for somebody if they need it and can spend the extra two minutes with somebody to help them out. Um, and I think that really pays with the small to medium-sized business market where you've got the business owners uh, making these decisions. Yeah, and it's huge and, it's, and it's working for you, obviously. It is. We're busy. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's no shortage of uh, of projects to do. There's no question about it. We, we just racked out another seventeen thousand square feet uh, two months ago. So, wow, way uh, to go! Yeah, yeah no, it's, it, it, it's growing well, and and we're you know we're pleased with the way it's growing, and we and the plans for the future look solid. Well, I I, I love your story, and uh, I love I love the you know the early the early days, and I I think sometimes we fail to look back and appreciate how incredibly cool our stories are. As entrepreneurs, we tend to just you know believe we're going to make it, whether we even know what we're doing or not. But somehow we get to these places, uh, you know, we look twenty years back and go, I can't believe I was there. And so I, I think I, if you're a, if you're a really smart entrepreneur, you repress a lot of those. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's how we uh, keep moving forward. Exactly. And, and our challenge is is to not get into too many new businesses. We're yeah. uh, entre- true entrepreneurs at heart and uh, like to take on new challenges. And as we grow from being a small business to a medium business, uh, is to is to work on on keeping our focus and and becoming a better business at what we do. Well, I think there's been a, a, already some great lessons uh, already in our conversation, but if you could, looking back over the last, you know, since you started this in 91, what are some of the very biggest lessons you've learned from some of the, the major uh, things that really, once you got those, it, it has made a significant difference in your business and in the way your business has grown? Certainly my lessons came on the commodity side of things. Okay. Um, you know, I said things like, uh, there's been a fundamental change in the marketplace, and things will never go back to the way they were. Oh. Um, and I, if you're ever watching CNBC or, or you know a financial news company, a financial news show, and somebody says something like that, yeah, uh, it's time to sell. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and, and I see that today. I see we, we, you know, you know, we see very heady commodity markets today, and we certainly think that uh, you know that. That it went, that will end at some point, and it will end in such a spectacular fashion with so much blood um, that you know we're very reticent about, we're very cautious about uh, you know making plans based on on commodity prices today. So that would be my that would be one of my my biggest lessons is that never things never change that much. You know, you you you've always got to look back at the past and say you know that's that's what could happen. So mm-hmm. and and stick and the kind of stick to itness. I think you know, the right thing to do from a business perspective when we lost a ton of money in 1995 would have been to fold up shop and either start over or start something different. But you know, we decided that we were going to plow through it and that we, were going to, we had a, a vision for what the company should look like and that just we were going to you know, take one step forward every day and try to make the business better every day. Just sticking to it was, was you know, 95% of our success. Yeah. And I, I think the lesson I've taken away over, over the last 20 years or, is doesn't matter how big the problem is, you can solve it. Hmm. You just have to break it down into pieces and work on the piece you can control. And if there's something you can't control, then don't worry about it. Every moment you waste stressing about something you can't control doesn't solve anything. Just whatever you're looking at, you take it in pieces and you move forward. 
you treat your staff well, you treat your employee, your your customers well, and that comes around in dividends. Yeah. You know, we recently had some unscheduled downtime this week that we weren't expecting, and it means that our staff has had to pick it up in other areas. Everybody's chipping in and helping. It's, thir- it's supposed to be 36 degrees here today, and that's hot for us. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, 90-something. Yeah, 90-something yeah. yeah. with 90-something uh, humidity. Other and uh, everybody's on the shop floor and out on the trucks are taking it up 10 15% to, to help balance off, you know, the equipment downtime we're having. So, you know, that is, you can't, you can't quantify what that's right. worth. Yeah. It is just an awesome awesome group of people. So treating people well and just tackling things one day at a time, yeah. one piece at a time. And if you get too overwhelmed by it, stop for 20 minutes and go do something else and then come back right. <laughs> and yeah. keep on going. Go sweep for 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Go pick up a broom and make your plant look better. So, you know, if, if you go back and talk to, you know, the, those two people uh, that, you know, were standing on top trying to shove that stuff into that old baler years ago that were kind of still quite quite in love um, and batting <laughs> eyes at each other but working hard like crazy to make this happen what would you tell them what would you what, what advice would you give those two people in in you know in the early 90s uh, if, it, if it was exactly then I'd tell them to duck uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know that the, that it becomes especially when you're working with with uh, you know with your spouse your partner um, and living with them full-time it really becomes an adventure, and because you know, and that adventure is really worth it. Yeah. That you know, you're going to look that it's going to be remarkably difficult, but remarkably difficult times um, with somebody who you enjoy being with actually turn out to be, you know, kind of a, a, a you know a life shaping adventure. Oh yeah. I mean, Patty and I have spent you know really uh, 20 years, uh, maybe actually a little bit longer than that now. Um, you know, in, a, in in each other's space, you know, 24 hours a day, very rarely can we not finish each other's sentences. Yeah. Um, and that that adventure, that, that that adventure really is quite worth it and quite remarkable. It's certainly not for everybody. Uh, I, I bet there are people listening to this thing, you know, if I worked with my wife and my <laughs> husband. Um, you know, I'd kill them. Yeah. Kill them <laughs> it is certainly not for everybody. It really is. But it isn't. does, it, you know, if you, can, if you can do it, you know, it really brings... Um, it makes a good team. It makes a good team, and there really is no part of your day that it doesn't revolve around the business, and 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 the, and the business becomes part of the adventure, and and uh, it really makes it really makes for interesting times. Well, and it, it makes it. I mean, we have small kids, and so it really becomes a family adventure too. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, my daughter, who's turning five, asked me not that long ago if everybody has a shredder at their office. <laughs> you know, she, you know, they're just part. They come to our team leader meetings. Yeah. They. I've got toys sitting in my office right now. Um, they are part of part of the adventure too. So they're it really part of the does... adventure and the fabric. Absolutely, and the fabric, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. cool. Yeah. So, if you were to give one other piece of advice to uh, couples working together, uh, what would you give them? Oh, What's... Don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Ro- oh, absolutely. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors. I can't tell you how many decisions have been made that really aren't the huge important ones yeah. on rock, paper, scissors. Really? Even some of the really important ones. Some of them, but not too you know, many. You generally, I mean, in our case, you have two people who ha- have a passion for the company, and really neither one of us are going to make, well, I speak for, for my wife, Patty's never going to make a decision that is going to be so, you know, 
that's going to take us in the wrong direction. Right. And, and never going to take, and we would never go in the wrong direction so long, like before we figured it out. Right. So really, so when it, you have, you're going to constantly have differences of opinion, and that in the long run, almost every decision, both courses of action would be fine. So, um, in, in that case, that then. Um, you know, uh, rock paper scissors works great, and uh, and try to figure, try to make sure that you get a towel on your partner. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and also when you do when you make decisions, you don't sweat the small stuff. If he thinks the guys should wear blue hats and I think they should wear red hats, who cares, right? Yeah. As long as they look good and they're sharp, really doesn't matter. But when something is really important to me, I can say, Christian. This one's really important to me. Right. And even if, if he still doesn't agree with me, then we sit down and we walk through the numbers and we get to a point where we can both be satisfied. And um, I think that's really important to be able to put up your hand and say, whoa, 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 this one is important. But you don't get to do that on every little decision. Right. Yeah. There's certain, we, there's certain we, ones we are, you fight battles on. That's right. Yeah. We're a total yin and yang. You know, I mean, uh, Patty, you know, does all of the things well that I do poorly. Right. So the fit is just so remarkable. It's, uh, you know, it's quite spectacular. Yeah, we do. We definitely bring different strengths and different weaknesses. Yeah, I'm not sure what I bring, but I know I brought <laughs> Patty, so that's all good. Right. Well, we already know. I, I mean, it's, it's quite point. clear. Good point. That's why I said in the, way back when I introduced you that officially Patty is called vice president, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. Chief bottle washer, whatever uh, un- needs to get done. Unofficially, it's very different. I, I understand that one completely. Well, it's you guys are a delight. You really are. Uh, every time I have talked to you, every time I've interacted with you, uh, I, I love being around you guys. I, I think you have a, a an energy and a passion and a heart for what you're doing uh, that is is really wonderful. And, and it's... it's um, how should I say it's, it's like a bad disease, you know, it just catches people. And every time I talk to you guys, I just feel really good afterwards. So thank you for doing that for us. And I assume based on what I know about you, that your, your staff and your customers feel the same way, but Hey, we've blown through a lot of time more than I even expected, yeah, but I, I have so, no, that's wonderful. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I, I have some questions. I always like asking sort of off the wall ones, but uh, first question for you both is what's your song? Tom, we're way too busy to have songs. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what no, that's used not true. to be we've, your we've song? We've adopted a new song for our son, Charlie. Okay. Which <laughs> is? Which one? Go, go, go? Yeah. <laughs> go, go, go by. He's just learning how to... He's just learning how to speak, and there's a cat in the hat song oh. where you go, 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 go on an adventure. So that's our family song. These Wonderful. Days. Yeah. Okay. He can say the go, 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 go word. So there's not some romantic song that, that you know, when, when times get really tough, you turn that one on and you, you kind of look into each other's eyes or, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. When times get really tough, we're in the back of a baler cleaning out a hydraulics bill and... <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. So tomorrow, if I had some magic dust and I had the magical ability to sprinkle it on your life tomorrow and you had a completely free day, no work, no responsibility, no stress, even kidless if you wanted it to be that, that way, what would you do tomorrow? Uh, we'd go to the lake. Go to the lake. Go to the lake. And I'd take the kids. Yeah, I'd yeah, take the kids for take sure. Take the kids yeah. and yeah, go to the lake. Sit on the beach, float in the water, play in the sand. Yeah, no, yep. that, that, that's, uh, that, we have a, we're tremendously blessed with, uh, you know, with a family, with families that have cottages and and places at the beach, and and uh, that is, uh, if we have a moment to spare, that's where we want to be. Yeah, 
Wonderful. And finally, if someone came to Winnipeg uh, from outside of Winnipeg who had nothing or knew nothing about Winnipeg, and you could only do one thing with them to really show them what life in Winnipeg is like and what the amazingness of that city really is, what would you do? Backyard barbecue, hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill, and some beautiful sunshine, a kiddie pool with kids playing, and just enjoying the summer. You know, yeah, certainly. So, I guess it's not very Winnipeg. Well, I mean, yeah. it is. It's what we do. But uh... you, you know, Winnipeg is Winnipeg is is a remarkable place. Uh, it has there there is there is no niche that isn't filled in our in Winnipeg. You know, so if you have a a passion for jazz or or a passion for ballet or uh, you know uh, musical comedy or uh, you know come see the Jets or you know, I mean, we really have. It really is a remarkable place. Yeah. And, you know, it would take it's a, it takes a lifetime just to experience this place. We're, you know, it and is, it's not it's, a, a, it's not a huge city. It's a hidden little gem of of a of a place, and it's of, completely isolated. Yeah. So, it, in order in order, it, it, you really can't drive to the big city anywhere. You really have to have a little bit of everything, and it really yeah. makes for a, a really dynamic place to live. And uh, tons and a, of culture, tons a, of neat food. A spectacular place to raise a family. It is, and, and yeah. you know, it, it really is a it really is a remarkable place. So. Yeah. You know, the one thing would be, you know, what do they like to do? Because we can do it. Right. So, yeah. it's awesome. And there's great pizza. There really is yeah. great pizza yeah. in Winnipeg. Great, amazing food. You know, I yeah. know, amazing. The, food. the city was built on the city was built on on you know a million different ethnic cultures all coming together. Um, so yeah, whether it's pierogies or gelati yeah. or yeah, it's amazing. Know, yeah, pierogies. There's just it's all here. Well, anyone listening, if you're ever, if you ever have a chance to go to Winnipeg, please go to Winnipeg and call, and knock on our door. Call Kristen yeah, and Patty and thrilled to we, give you a tour. We talk your head off, probably. Yeah. Backyard, <laughs> backyard barbecue, and then at about eight o'clock at night, you got to go to the plant and shove stuff into the baler. Exactly, do some <laughs> Just hopping. For good there's a lot. There's a lot less baler hopping these days. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I have to say, I love you guys to death. Thanks for being on the well, show. Thank you for uh, thanks for us, sharing Tom. your it's story been a, with a us. A lot of fun. Yeah, we really we really enjoy your podcast. So. Hey, thank yeah. you. Looking forward to helping out. All right, cheers. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Well, I gotta say, those are two pretty cool people. Two wonderful people, uh, and I'm so glad that they took the time to be with me on the show today. I, I hope you learned lots from them, not just from their story and from their persistence and from the way they work together, but just a, a sense of, you know, the, the kind of people they are, and, and I, I love them to death, so... I'm grateful for them being on the show today. And, you know, thanks uh, to Johnny Depp for stopping in, too. It's been great having you. <laughs> You're really weird. <laughs> right. I realize I'm weird, but I'm not the one with a treasure chest full of fried chicken and chocolate. But, hey, thanks for hanging out with us at the cottage today. It's been great. And to you, thanks for listening again to the show. Don't forget to tune in next week for show number 50. Wow, we're at 50 already. We'll still be at the beach, but we won't forget to bring you a great show, so tune in next week. You know, as we finish the show, let me remind you uh, that our sponsors, O'Neill Software, are about to uh, launch their conference. It's uh, just a month and a bit away, and it's approaching quickly. Lots of great speakers, networking, and that infamous Record Center challenge that you don't want to miss. So if you're not registered, you should be. You can learn more at O'Neillsoft.com. Hey, it's been great. That's it for now. I'm off to the beach with Johnny Depp. We are out of here.
Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.